Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to go today. We are not going to continue in Exodus this morning. We'll pick that up again next week. We are going to look at a special subject today for Father's Day in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 to 9. So if you have your Bible, you're welcome to join us there. And uh, I will say, I'm going to share some thoughts that are specifically for dads and build out from there. But I think that everyone is welcome to listen in because I think we all probably need what we're going to talk about today. When I was little, um, when I was growing up, our family would go on vacations to places like Disney World and go on rides and things like that. And uh, Disney World's not exactly a challenging park to uh, appreciate. You know what I mean? Like you go on these rides, there's no real big scary things. We went on Space Mountain and, and that was fine and whatever. It wasn't, it was all dark. You couldn't see what was happening anyway. You didn't know your doom was coming, you know, so it was okay. But uh, we also went to Six Flags and at Six Flags, that was, that was the challenge for me for like seven, eight-year-old, you know, little Mark because some of those rides are scary. You know, now today, like Rolling Thunder was a big ride back in the day. I don't know if you, anybody been on Rolling Thunder, right? Waiting in that line, you would wait like an hour, hour and a half in the line to get on Rolling Thunder. Um, and, and like, that was the big deal. Now I'm not so scared of it, like, because it's high. I'm scared that like, it's so rough, it might break my back or something while I'm driving it, right? But that, I could get past that. But I remember there was this ride at, at Great Adventure called um, Lightning Loops. Anybody go on Lightning Loops? Okay, a couple people. Okay, so here's Lightning Loops. If, you've never, if you were not part of the Six Flags Great Adventure history, right? Here's Lightning Loops. It was a ride where you climbed up into the sky on scaffolding, right? Because you had to get high enough so that you could get on this ride that started way up in the air, and then it went immediately down into a loop and up on the other side, stopped, and then it came backwards through the loop and back to the beginning. That was the whole ride right? But it was upside down. So that was like, it was a loop and it was, wow, this is scary. And so, you know, seven-year-old, eight-year-old Mark, everybody's like, oh, we got to go on lightning loops. Oh, we got to go on the loop. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Oh, we got, oh, we, and I'm thinking, I don't want to go on lightning loops. That scares me to death. What, you know, what happens upside down? How do you stay in the seat? I know how gravity works. I'm only seven, but you fall out when you go upside down. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on it, but you had this wonderful thing about those, those rides back in the day. They were really long lines. So you had all this time as you're climbing up to your doom to think about what's about to happen, right? So I ha would have this conversation with myself. I would, I would count in my head. Everybody's talking in the family and we're waiting in line. I'm I would count. I would watch the ride and I would count how long the whole ride was. And I think the whole ride was like 45 seconds or something, something crazy small. It was like it was just a quick little ride. So I'd be like, I can do this, 45 seconds. And then, and then I would see people walking off, and I would have this conversation with myself, talking myself into courage to face the lightning loops. You know what I mean? I don't know if anybody else has had that experience on scary rides um, or just in life, but the reality is courage is something that sometimes is hard to find and sometimes something you have to work to find and hold on to. We're here on Father's Day. Being a dad is one of the greatest callings of my life. It's one of the greatest privileges I have in my life. It is one of the highest callings I have. It is higher than my calling to be a pastor or to be an American citizen or to be a friend or a son. Being a dad only is, is underneath my calling to be a 
believer and to be a husband. Then comes being a dad. But something that I've learned about being a dad is that it takes courage. It takes courage. There are lots of roles, by the way, that take courage. Being a mom also takes courage. Being a Christian takes courage. Being in a marriage takes courage. Just living life takes courage. But at the core of what it means to be a man is having courage. I'm not saying only men need it, but it, if you're a man, it is required that you have courage. Young men often think that someday I will grow up out of this uncertainty and this feeling of intimidation by life, this overwhelmness. Someday when I'm fully placed as a man, I'll be past all of that. But men who have lived for a while recognize that those younger moments of challenge to courage are really just training for a whole life that requires you to choose courage. And life takes it too. Courage, I would say, is the confidence that going forward and not running from what's in front of you is the right decision. Courage is that confidence that I can keep going forward and I don't need to run away. I'm not going to stop pressing forward because I believe it's the right decision and one that I will be glad that I chose. And you face those moments all throughout your life. When you first walk into a new classroom on the first day of school, you have to find some courage. When you're talking to someone that you have a crush on, when you're taking finals, you're facing that finals week in college, some courage is required. When you're asking that girl to marry you, take some courage. When you're starting your first day on a new job, some courage is required. When you become a parent, <laughs> courage is required. When you're facing the challenges of aging, boy, doesn't it take some courage. And then one day, you find yourself at the end of your time on earth, and again, courage. All throughout life, this is a theme. And some people try to pretend that they don't need it, that it's not hard, that it's not a struggle, but it is. And it's something that is necessary and yet something that sometimes is hard to get a grip on. So as we go through life, we could wish that it didn't require that, that it didn't require courage. But I'm going to tell you, you don't really want a life that doesn't need courage. That's not really living. It's not really life. It may seem more desirable, but I know this. One thing we all want in life, one thing that is at the core of what we mean, what we think it means to be alive, something deep down that makes us feel like we are living is love. Being loved and loving others. And I will say, without a doubt, love takes courage. Loving someone is hard and dangerous and can wind you up in some bad places. Many of you have walked journeys that are overwhelmingly crushing because you love someone. It takes courage to care for someone who might choose what will cause pain. Someone who walks in their mistakes and their selfishness and you walk with them because you love them. It takes courage to love someone in their misery and their grief. It takes courage to love someone through their fears and through their failures. It takes courage. So we're going to start at the beginning of the story in the book of Joshua. And we're only going to read the first nine verses. It is no mistake that the book of Joshua starts here. It's a book about one of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament. 
who accomplished one of the greatest promises that God ever gave to his people. But it starts here, and as we read these nine verses, I think you're going to find with me that one of the themes here is find courage, have courage. He says to Joshua, and so throughout his life, through all the ups and downs, through all the mistakes, and at the end of his life, Joshua is the one who says, listen, folks, it's the end of my journey. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a statement of a person who chose to listen to what God said to him at the beginning of this journey in Joshua chapter 1. So in Joshua chapter 1, look at me at verses 1 to 6. We're going to spend most of our time here in these six verses. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to the the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. As this book begins, Moses, that famous leader, has died. The one that we are studying in the book of Exodus that that accomplished all those things and for 40 years led the children of Israel, he has died and Israel needs a new leader. God decides Joshua will be that leader. There is no question who the leader will be. God says, Joshua, it's you. But could you imagine stepping up into that spot that Moses filled? Can you imagine the intimidation of following someone who wrote and met with God, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, who handed down the law, who set you free, who led you across the sea when the sea was parted and dry land appeared? Can you imagine following in his footsteps? So Joshua had to learn some things. He had to learn, first of all, that intimidation was not to be the way that he was directed in life. And he had to learn that just because he was filling the same spot as Moses didn't mean he would have the same job. In fact, his job was going to be entirely different than Moses' job. Sometimes we think if you say dad, everybody's the same kind of dad. Not everybody's the same kind of dad. And that's by God's design. Not everyone is the same kind of Christian. We all share the same basis, but God made each one of us unique. He placed each one of us into callings. And so you don't have to compare yourself to someone else. You just have to follow God for his calling in your life. So Joshua had to learn, I don't need to try to do what Moses did. I need to do what God is asking me to do. So there's this challenge of replacing this famous and powerful leader who set the people free and led them for 40 years. And now there's a promised land to enter, and it's occupied. So he's about to walk into this very dangerous and unknown task. And Joshua knew what the promised land was going to be like because he was one of the 12 spies that went into the promised land and saw it and came back with all the guys, and 10 of them said, no way. We're not going in there. It's scary. The people are big, and they'll stomp us. 
God said, remember when I parted the Red Sea and the whole army of Egypt was behind? Remember that? But these guys looked at the people in the promised land and said, no way. Joshua knows what it looks like. And God says, now, now I'm going to call you to lead the people in to do this. And so he's faced with danger. He's faced with a task that other men have seen and said, no way. So he begins. God says to him, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. And so when we talk about leaders, it takes courage to lead. It takes courage to lead. Anywhere you're leading in life, it takes courage for you to lead. If you don't have courage, if you don't choose courage, you are not going to be a good leader. You are going to lead people into a ditch. You are going to lead yourself into a ditch. You are not going to be a good leader. When we talk about leaders, we are talking about a God-designed role for dads. There is no question that dads are called to lead. Many people may not follow you. It's scary. What if I lead and no one follows? You may make mistakes as you lead, and those mistakes may have fallout. It's better to not try than to try and fail. And you feel the responsibility of leading. And so for far too many men in far too many homes, this means I just step back because it's less dangerous and it feels like there's less to lose, but it's a lie. You and your family actually lose a lot more than you know when you as a dad step back from courage, step back from leading. Let me just share with you a few statistics about the impact of a father on the lives of his children. I got these online from places like fatherhood.org and fatherly.com. So this is not hard. You can look up these things and I could go all day on statistics. But listen to the impact of homes with a father. By the way, one in four homes in our country are without a father. One in four homes. And those homes reflect this impact. So it's not an aberration. It's a pretty normal thing. It's a pretty studied thing. There are lots of statistics. Kids who do not have a father in their home are more likely to face behavioral problems, neglect, and abuse. They are more likely to use drugs and alcohol. They are more likely to commit a crime. They are more likely to go to prison. They are twice as likely to drop out of high school and to suffer obesity. And they are four times more likely to suffer poverty and seven times more likely to have a a teenage pregnancy. And these are secular studies. These are not Christian studies. Kids with a father in the home are more likely to have high-paying jobs and healthy relationships when they're adults. They, generally speaking and, and statistically show, to have higher IQ scores and endure fewer psychological problems. It's almost like God designed a home to have the influence of a father. I know that's crazy in our world today, but I'm telling you, believers, this is how God designed a home. And there's a spiritual impact too. Washington Area Coalition of Men's Ministries put out this study. One one example of the spiritual impact, there's many, but one example. When a mother comes to Christ, 17% of the time her family will join her. When a mother comes to Jesus, 17% of the time her family will join her. When a father comes to Christ, 93% of the time his family will join him. I'm saying to you, it's so obvious, and yet we try to do all these jumping jacks to get around the fact that God placed fathers in the home to lead. 
And when we don't, or when we lead badly, it impacts the home. Now, if you are a single mom, or your dad isn't or wasn't present, I'm not saying you're doomed. God is a God of redemption, as nothing is impossible with Him, and He redeems and restores. But these statistics show, very bluntly, that God has a design for the home. And part of that design is for dads to be present and leading their home. We see terms, especially in... uh, 1 Corinthians 11, that the dad is the head of the home. Over time, and especially in Christian circles, that has been used to mean that the dad has authority and power in the home. You almost can't talk about the dad being the head of the home without people thinking that that's the essence, that who's in charge, who has the authority, who has the say. And I think that has done tremendous damage thinking that there's some kind of a kingship where the dad is the the ultimate dictator and ruler. But at the same time, those statistics and the Word of God means something. And I believe if we could get back to what God designed men to do, we could be a part of seeing this world come to Jesus. Leading, if I had to summarize it real quickly as something that you could take with you, I would say leading is about being the first one who gets to do the right thing. Well, that stinks. (laughs) It means, Dad... You are the first one who gets in the middle of a fight where everything's heated to say, listen, I think we're going the wrong way. I think I've added to it. I want to stop, and I want to go a different direction. Now, that's not always easy, Dad, because sometimes you're really, really mad, right? Sometimes it requires a dad to say, listen, I think I, think I need to apologize to you. What I did, what I said was wrong. I need to go first. I don't need to wait for you to come to me. I need to initiate. I am leading. Leading in direction. Leading in tone. Leading in values. What do you value? What do you show that you value? Leading in how to live. Leading in the purest sense is not coupled with authority to force someone to do something. Leading in its purest sense is a person who says, I'm going this way, and other people go, huh, that sounds like a good way, I'm going to follow you. Living in such a compelling way that others say, I want to do that too. In the kingdom, a leader, Jesus says, is the one who serves. The one who is the leader is the one who is the servant of all. And so this idea of leading is not a power position, it's a place of influence, It's a place where I decide I'm going to step out and go towards God and allow my family to follow me. God designed men as fathers and husbands to lead. Paul tells us one of the ways we can understand the gospel is to look at our relationship with Jesus, understand the gospel and our relationship with Jesus is to look at the relationship between husbands and wives in Ephesians 5. In 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Corinthians 11, there's the same kind of reference. And so this idea of leading is intricately entwined with the idea of being a father, a husband, a man. So God says to Joshua, you're going to lead. And I'm saying God says to us, dads, you're going to lead. And then God says this to Joshua. I will be with you and I will give you every place that you set your foot. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wow! 
Isn't that awesome? What a statement from God. No one will be able to stand against you. Whatever you do is going to happen. It's gonna, you're going to succeed. You're going to win because I will be with you. So, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm imagining, but I'm thinking if I'm sitting there and God says, listen, Mark, you're going to win every battle. No one will be able to stand against you. I will do what I, I will give you every piece of land where you set your foot. I would think, wow, there's no reason to be afraid. <laughs> there's no reason to be intimidated. There's no question that I'm supposed to be the leader, God said. And there's no question I will succeed. God said, as long as I rely on him, everything's going to fall into... So facts should make their all fear go away, right? Except they don't. A lot of you know many facts, but you still struggle with fear. You still find it hard to grab a hold of courage because courage is not just from facts. Courage comes from faith. God gives these words to Joshua and to us. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. You have to have courage to lead. Even when you know that you are placed by God as the leader, you have to have courage because you will face real danger. You will need to choose to use your strength not for yourself or for your own protection, but for the good of those who are naturally following in your footsteps. You will have to have courage to live like that. You can wish that life would not require that kind of courage, but life will always require that kind of courage because there is real danger and courage is meaningless without danger. Joshua is going to walk into real battles where people will die and there is a real threat, humanly speaking, that someone will get hurt and someone will lose. But his only way to have the strength and the courage to lead was to believe what God said and to believe that God had made him for this role. But I want you to see this. God continues the conversation. Look at me at verse 7 to 9. It says this. I'm sorry. 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Did you notice something about that? Kind of has the same... He just said, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. It's like we're repeating ourselves here for some reason. Why do you think that is? God comes back, not, not even 20 words later, like five words later, he's like, let me say that again. Be strong and very courageous. This time, he has a little bit of a different focus for Joshua as a leader. Be strong and very courageous. And God focuses on, because I'm going to ask you to do what is right. I'm going to ask you to take seriously what I've said. I'm going to ask you to act like you believe it and that you're going to live it, that you're going to put your trust in it. Be careful to obey all the laws my my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right so that you may be successful. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. What he's saying there is, preach to yourself. Meditate in it. Preach to yourself, this is the way. This is how we need to do it. This is what God says, and I believe him, and God is right. He says, don't turn to the left or the right. Don't like, hey, God said this, but I think this seems better. God said this, but I want to try this. God says this, but I don't want to care right now. He says, listen, stay true. 
because it takes courage to do what is right. Other things are traps for your soul. They may promise you something that seems desirable. So have the courage to keep doing what is right. And if it has ever taken courage to do what is right, it takes courage today to do what is right. This is a world where we all have to stand up and find some courage. I will say, men, it takes courage to be a man of honor and respect without resorting to using power as a weapon. In today's world, in today's climate, it seems like we've learned or we've all adopted this idea that the way to be a person who gets respect is to make sure that disrespect is punished, that I use my power as a weapon on other people. But not so with us. We follow the the God who laid down his life, the son who set aside glory and came and humbled himself, became the, the form of a man and made himself a servant for us. It takes courage to be present in situations that God puts you in when you have no real idea what the answer is or what it will turn out to be. It takes courage to stay there, to trust God, to follow God through uncertainty. But there are more practical things. In a world that sees pornography as healthy to a sex life and cheating or hooking up as normal part of any person's sexual experience, it takes courage to say, no, not me. I will do what is right, not what everyone says I should look into. In a world that encourages ambition and career advancement, often at the cost of presence or devotion in the lives of our kids, it takes courage to say, no, not going that way, I'm going this way. In a world that believes the truth is not always the right way, it takes courage to be honest. In a world that teaches you have to look out for number one, it takes courage to be selfless and to sacrifice. Because all of those human questions come into our head. What if I miss out? What if God's way turns out to be a mistake? What if I'm wrong to let go of what seems best and trust God? What if God makes me miss out? What if God's way isn't best? Men, God created us uniquely to stand in this gap. God calls to us uniquely to stand up, to be strong and very courageous. We need that confidence that comes from courage, the confidence in what is right and the courage to choose it. It isn't that you won't have questions or thoughts or doubts or fears, but it is that you will consistently make a decision to have courage and say, God, I will do what you say I should do. We need you to choose to use your voice and your life in your home and in your spheres of influence to say, this is what I believe and this is what's important to me. Because like it or not, there's a huge impact on the choices that you make. Now, if you think God only repeated himself once, pick up at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Wait, I've heard that before. Twice in the last couple of verses. It's like this is going to be a hard battle, huh? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I will say this before I talk about the stuff that I have down here. It's like God saying, you heard me, right? Have I not commanded you? You heard me, right? And I think for men, some of us are thick. I don't know about all men. 
But some of us are a little dense, right? Third time through, God says, be strong and courageous. I've found this in my life. Sometimes my family needs me to have courage because they can't find any. Sometimes they need me to have the confidence to say, we're still going this way and it's going to be okay. Even if I don't feel it, even if I'm freaked out like everybody else, they need me to step up and say, no, we're choosing courage. We're choosing faith. We're going to go the right way. We're going to believe God's promises. We're going to go this way because this is what we believe. God says to Joshua a third time, be strong and courageous. I will call you to take hold of the strength I've given you and use it here. Don't run from it. Don't wave the white flag. Don't bury your head. Don't hide. Don't run from the struggle. Step into your strength. God has given men strength for a reason. It isn't to bully those who are weaker. It isn't to be some kind of king over some kind of weird kingdom. Your strength has been given to you to serve your home. So step into your strength and courage. Be strong and courageous. God's saying to Joshua, I have given you the ability to have confidence in me in my way. Men, you have that uniquely. And your homes need you to be the one who says, no, I believe God is exactly right and we're going to follow him. At least I am. And you can come if you want or you don't have to, but I'm telling you, this is what I believe down to my core. God says, I'm going to lead you, Joshua. Lead how I tell you. Follow me. And in so doing, lead others to do the same. Believe that this way is the way that you want for yourself and the way that you want to pass on to others. Believe. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Fear will be present. But don't give in to it. There are people in your life, that, or, or there will be people in your life, who are depending on you to not surrender to fear. It may take a moment when something shows up, or a day, or a week, or whatever, to get yourself sorted out. But work towards courage. Work towards not giving in to fear. Fear is a destroyer, and so many of us are worried about what's coming that we're wearing ourselves out today, and God says, men, you guys need to be on the front lines of this battle and say, we're not going to worry about what tomorrow holds or later on today or next week or next month. We're going to live in faith right now. Do not be discouraged, which is saying, do not believe the hype. There's an enemy whispering in your ear, trying to beat you down in fear. And God says to Joshua, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Don't put more faith in what seems hopeless or dangerous or impossible than you do in your Creator. Ultimately, the basis for all this is where God says several times here, for I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. God says, I'm going with you into battle. Man, I'm not calling you to something that God didn't make you for, but I'm also not calling you to something that God is not with you in. God says to Joshua, I have your back. I'm your wingman. I'll be there with you. I will be your strength What I'm asking you to do is not all on you. I'll give you strength, I'll give you courage, but you have to choose it. And my prayer this morning, my prayer on this Father's Day is that the men of hope and the men who are believers will choose 
courage to stand up.